2: A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Let's give it a go. Perfect, perfect. Carl, can you be honest for a second with me?
3: Yeah, what's wrong now?
2: I need you to be honest, okay? I need you to be honest about who's a better shooter. Avery or Cody?
3: Fucking Avery by a country
2: mile. 100%. 100%. <laughs>
3: Cody, Cody gets his tits in a knot. She keeps her tits in her bra. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That is a classic, I don't know, you know, it may be worth doing a bet right now, Cody, on how many South African ph are we going to hear in this podcast? Because that's number one already and we haven't hit the minute mark yet.
1: Right, right. <laughs> Hopefully a ton. And I will tell you 100% that uh, my wife is a better rifle shot than I am. I think. God, but
2: you were a former sniper, weren't you?
1: I was, in fact. Now, everyone brings that up, and everyone also needs to remember that was over a quarter of a century ago. I could see then. I wasn't nearly as fat as I am now. There was a lot, it was a long time ago um, that I could shoot with uh, the best in the world. Also, I think there's an advantage to. Ha- to having never done it to some extent, and if, if you approach it correctly, like Avery just doesn't yeah. get as doesn't wound up about, about it, it um, and probably doesn't have the uh, ego issues. I don't want to miss in front of Carl. I don't want to <laughs> miss in front of Daryl. You know, I don't like there's a lot more uh, shit bouncing around in my head. I will have you know, I, I, missed, you a, I missed a warthog last night.
0: Very, I very
3: far. Bad wind
1: call. They wouldn't listen to my wind call. This morning,
3: redeemed himself. I found the same pig at a 1,000 yards. We stalked in this morning and made a great shot at 296. Pumped it. Beautiful. Massive hog down.
1: In the m- the miss. Yeah, I
2: saw the picture. It was amazing.
1: The miss was at 548 too. So it, I'm not making excuses, but it was a poke out there. With uh, with are you equipment? making
2: excuses that you can't stalk in any closer than
1: 548? Uh, I that Checkmate. we're gonna need a ph ism on that. I could have, uh. we, we could have walked for, I could have walked further. <laughs> no, it was a set of conditions that I said I had confidence and I missed, but we did redeem ourselves and get the same hog today. Daryl and I both shot beautiful warthogs this morning.
0: Well,
2: uh, Carl, you are a big, um, you're a big supporter of who we are at Blood Origins. We're a big fan of who you are as an individual and as a hunting outfitter. And um, yeah, this is a pretty unique roundup. Cody is in South Africa with you. Um, I just flew in from Spain last night. I, I haven't heard the roundup from last week. I'm sure Cody gave me a bunch of crap for flying to Europe and I don't know what, I, what, I, what he might have said. Uh, but Carl, welcome to the Roundup. Welcome to the Blood Origins Podcast.
3: Thank you very much, Robbie. Glad to be a part of it. Uh, glad to be part of your drive and your mission. And we want to even be more involved and continue getting involved in driving home the good message.
2: Carl, give a give people a little bit of a um, an understanding of who you guys are and the operation. Obviously, the people who listen to this podcast... And maybe this is one of the, the rabbit holes that we can run down. We don't really have a set agenda today, um, given how, um, in, in Afrikaans, how dear Makar Cody is and how dear Makar I am right now. Uh, DMK, Cody, do you know what dear Makar means?
1: I don't. I'm trying hard,
2: but the, here's the How long have you been in South Africa and you don't know what dear Makar is?
1: Listen, here's the thing. Everybody speaks a combination of three different languages here, okay? It's not, you can't learn one. Because the, any given sentence will have three different languages in it. And I don't. It, I think it's, it's hopeless. I just rely on them to tell me what they're saying. That's, I, <laughs> I, 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 well, Carl,
2: explain to
3: Cody what Dear Macar
2: is.
1: Dear Cody, it means our shit's in a mess. We're just all
3: over the place. We're just not organized. <laughs> Everything is yeah. everywhere.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a fair assessment of, of my life right now. Other than I'm in paradise doing exactly what I want to do, I all the other responsibilities of my life I'm completely ignoring for the next few days.
2: <laughs> well, Carl, give us a little, give the the, the audience a bit of a sense of, of your operation in the Eastern Cape. Um, you know, a lot of people have misperceptions around South Africa, right? They hear Cody's hunting in South Africa. They assume he's hunting behind a high fence operation that's probably a thousand acres or a thousand hectares. And it's a put and take kind of place. And He's already chosen the Sable Bull that he wants and the Warthog that he wants.
3: True or false? I tell you, uh, Robbie, it's a it's a difficult scenario and a difficult discussion. And I'm so glad you took it on last month with regards to the high fences with your deal in Texas. But yeah, high, fence, high fences in South Africa, um, it's an important part of our conservation. It is what has grown so much of our wildlife from the 70s to where we are today, where Uh, Like the North American model, I can proudly say we are the most successful uh, country in the world when it comes to bringing wildlife back to record numbers today. Um, Our areas in the Eastern Cape here are somewhat different to some of other parts of South Africa. Not all are the same. Uh, But uh, to give the the listeners an idea, Cody, this this week we'll be hunting. Our main base is 30,000 acres, all high fenced, uh, one block. And uh, we also hunting right next door, which is another block of one hundred and ten thousand acres. So we we've got access. One hundred and ten thousand acres, high fenced. Yes, sir. One block.
2: Holy shit! Yeah.
3: So that's that's real investment into real wildlife. Dollars on the ground, feet on the ground, and we are sustaining that through hunting. So that is what we are doing. We've been doing it successfully for the last forty years, and we continue to do so through the support of hunters like yourselves.
2: Carl, in your opinion, you've been how long have you been on the ground there at John X?
3: Uh, I this is my twentieth year in charge of the business, basically.
2: Okay, one of the things that we get often asked about, or an uh, accusor as a little blue. Too, too early in the morning for me we get accused of when it comes to high fences is that there, there is this connotation of constraint Con- connotation of constraint of the animal in your experience in 20 years how much of the that is actually true are you seeing animals on the landscape in 30,000 acres dare I say 110,000 acres that actually know that they're constrained
3: that's the thing, eh, Robbie, it's, it's, some animals will get to a boundary of a property where there is a fence, but that fence there is also a protection uh, of a of a species, of an investment, of what the ideology is of that property and what we're trying to achieve. Uh, at the same time, if we look at the broad array of species we have in the East Capia, if, if I just take on my property alone, something like an eland travels great distances but if I t- take a little Cape bushbuck or a blue diker living in the forest, it doesn't even know anything about fences. That's all foreign to it. It it, it, it will never, ever in its life reach a fence. It will never know it existed uh, on, you know, during its lifespan. So, you know, a fence is a complicated discussion because it's a necessary evil. It is what has got us to where we are today. And I think the more people understand that the great opportunities, for wildlife and for more tracts of land going to wildlife, you will see larger high-fenced areas. And, and the longer we're in this game and the longer we keep at it, the larger these tracts of land will become. Because if I think back to when I was a young boy, and I, I, I've, I've discussed this in the past on Gunworks' podcast, I remember as a kid something simple, going on safari with my dad and seeing a giraffe. It was like an unbelievable experience seeing a giraffe. Uh, today, I see 30, 40 giraffe. We've seen giraffe every single day on every moment out there to the point where it's become like a joke. And that's one species. And high fences have made that possible. So I, I think ultimately people must understand that it is part of the conservation model and it works very well. But they are not there to assist the hunter for one moment. They're there to assist the wildlife.
1: In the protection Mm -hmm. of that wildlife. Yeah, and I think that—that's a great point.
3: That's a great point
2: that it's not there to assist the hunter. That's a great point.
1: And I don't think that. uh, I think the real accusations come are more lobbed at me as a hunter here right now than at Carl. And I would just—I don't know how you, I mean, challenge someone to know that we're we're hunting. You know, I mean, this is not. A- well,
2: describe describe one of your hunts, Cody. You're we you're hunting. Do? You're no. saying you're hunting. Describe it.
1: I'll say this. You know, let's that- talk about your nyala. Good example. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we spent a long time. I personally, I think I probably frustrate Carl because I hate giving him a list. I don't have this list of species, really. I just want to hunt. And what? What to me separates Africa, obviously the the different species that we never see, the abundance of wildlife. But the big kicker to me is you can get up in the morning and just go hunt. Exactly. And in the States, you get up in the morning and you go on a duck hunt or you go on a deer hunt or you go on an elk hunt. And I'm not complaining. We're very spoiled in the United States. I in my opinion. We have incredible hunting opportunities. But I really love the difference here that you can get up in the morning, and even though Carl's been emailing you and his wife's been emailing you for a month asking you what your plan is, and I can't make up my mind, you can just go hunt, and uh, and that's the biggest. We were looking for a warthog, um, and spotted a uh, an Inyala bull that I wasn't even, you know. Carl and I had only briefly talked about the fact that if we saw a big one, um, I could tell from Carl's reaction, which I think was sincere after everyone else's reaction, Carl didn't even really ask me. We just decided we <laughs> – I mean that in the best way possible. We got excited. He, he didn't them. have a choice. We were going. It was good time. I
2: was you're going to hunt that one. We yeah, were, and, we were
1: yeah. going. It was good time. Crawled up across rocks and, and stalked up on this animal. I'm not trying to make it sound like it was – like a sheep hunt no. we, we we didn't we didn't physically kill ourselves but we worked very hard and ended up taking a i think 309 yard shot on just one of the prettiest animals that you've ever seen in the world and uh you know the whole experience carl's carrying around a big gun because there's buffalo all around us and and uh it uh it, it's hunting. It's not. This is not some put and take caged incident. I had that impression the first time. Not not once I got here, but the first time I was flying over here to hunt with Carl. I came to Africa the first time because a friend invited me, and I wanted Daryl, who's been on the podcast multiple times, invited me, and I wanted to go along. I didn't think that I wanted to hunt Africa because I had this screwed up perception of what it was. But I can promise you that uh, you're going to hunt as hard as any whitetail hunt in the U.S. Again, I won't say it's a sheep hunt or a, or a backcountry elk hunt, um, but it's hunting and you better be able to shoot and uh, you better have patience and you better learn how to glass. Being able to glass is uh, and, and search for animals, we get uh, embarrassed by the pHs on a daily basis because we can't find the animals they're finding.
2: Did you take your? Did you take your six-hour uh, stabilizing banners?
1: I did not. It's, it's. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll just completely admit that it's laziness. I. <laughs> I, I don't want to deal, and I, I. don't believe actually that most of the time it's that big of a challenge to get a firearm in. Um. But I don't want to deal with it honestly, and I can tell you but this that,
2: wasn't a, That wasn't a firearm. That was just a set up binoculars.
1: Oh no no. I didn't take those either, and that was that was the one thing so far that I've realized I forgot. I thought you were asking me about the cross rifle from Six Hour. I no,
2: no, no. The the Zulu Banos that had this the stabilizing function to no, it. No,
1: they would have been incredible. And I I'm apologizing to Six Hour that I I uh, not only didn't take them, I didn't even bring a pair of binoculars for my wife. Which <laughs> l- luckily, luckily. Look, uh, I'm
2: not that, surprised. I'm not surprised by that statement.
1: Yeah, and luckily, I believe that that uh carl's son i don't know if he knows it but my wife has his binoculars so we saved the day there but uh no those would have been incredible those 16 powers with the stabilization
3: carl did cody give you the our blood origins gifts absolutely robbie thank you very much mate um the reason i've not thanked you is because i want my kids to thank you uh, my boys, oh, that'd be awesome. my boys are, are, are wearing the caps but that's cool Sweet. now but Saturday it'll be chaos it'll be hunting and they'll be wearing
2: them oh man i'm so glad um yeah it's our pleasure and obviously again just you guys have been you know supporters of ours from from a long time um if everyone remembers um in 2021 we was it was it 21 or 2020? 2020 2020 we pulled it off in the 2020 chaos. Yeah. 2020 in six weeks, we pulled off, or I didn't pull off nothing. I just did organizations and dealt with, with uh, cinematographers. <laughs> um, but uh, we did a project with Carl called everyone deserves to play in which we built a soccer, um, Carl built a soccer stadium and uh, not a stadium, but a pitch and some grandstands and some buildings. And it's all tied to Carlisle Bridge School, a school that, that Carl's operation funds and helps and, it, it's the it's the consequence the benefit of hunting that happens in africa all across pretty much in you know for the majority of most places in south africa and extending up into africa there's always going to be a benefit and a consequence absolutely to the actions. some some better than others right carl let's be honest absolutely. there's going to be some people out there that that don't care yeah. don't give us stuff right
3: no absolutely and it's something that i'm going to be taking um Daryl and Kirsten and Cody and Avery and Paul and Janet Bride. We're going to be going down to the school in the coming days before the weekend. And uh, we're going to go and have a look at, you know, what precisely you guys were involved in there. And also our new projects, some exciting projects on the go. We've got new wells. We've got uh, new pipelines coming from the river. We've got gardens going. uh, Carl, are you ready to tell me about this big project that we're going to do in 23 yet? I'm not ready. I told you, <laughs> I'm not ready to tell you. I know what the project is, but we're going to have to have a lot of water under this bridge first. A lot of things okay. have to fall in place. We, we, we're about there okay. with the funding. We just got to get over the line with the rest. <laughs> but,
2: okay, yeah. well, you know, we'll, we'll, we stand ready when they do. And, and the other thing is, Cody, in his former life, was not only a sniper, but he was a close to professional soccer player. So he wants to go on the pitch <laughs> and he wants to play against these kids, and I want video of it.
3: Uh, okay. We will do that. Yeah. We will absolutely. do that. Absolutely. We yeah. actually got a, a bunch of new balls we need to drop off when we go. Our, our previous hunters from Dallas actually left a bunch of new soccer balls. So we'll let Cody try it out and we'll, we'll share a bunch of videos on social media.
1: Super. That's just what we need.
3: And Robbie, tell me Cole, what's, what, what, what's happening at Blood Origins. What, what happens in Spain, dude?
2: Yeah, so we were fortunate enough, you know, one of the things that we love, love to do, Carl, is we love to tell the sort of the proof, right? Internally to Blood Origins, our message is prove it. Everyone uses the phrase hunting is conservation, but um, internally we say, well, prove it. How do we prove that that is true, that statement is true? Because we know that the actual statement itself, if you're not, unless you're, you're hunting an invasive species, it's not actually true. Indirectly, it's true, um, and so we got some money to to really. What I wanted to do is I wanted to seat ourselves very objectively in the middle and figure out there's it's, there's a, there's a bunch of pushers all around the world right now, and you felt it, and mm-hmm. we've seen it, and is this idea of banning trophy hunting right? And it, and 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 again, people will attack us, not attack us. They'll point out that nobody's banning trophy hunting. That's correct, too. And again, this is the whole point of us being honest here.
0: Yeah,
2: That's correct. They're banning the import of trophies. But why? Like, what's the end game to banning the import of trophies? The the end game, it doesn't take anyone with a couple of brain cells to understand that the end game is to ban hunting. So essentially, they're saying, we just don't want hunting to occur. We feel like the animals, the wildlife, the people, the economics are all going to be fine. If hunting is removed, and so we want to try and and sit uh, seat ourselves in the middle and sort of objectively say, is that true or is it not true? And so there's a bunch of places in the world where hunting has actually been quote unquote banned. So in Africa, you know, you probably have them in the Eastern Cape, Carl. You probably have areas that are no longer hunted.
3: Yes, absolutely.
2: Big areas. And so we want to go into those areas and say, well, what's the wildlife like today? What's the habitat like today? What's the vegetation like today? Is it better because hunting has been removed? Is the are the people doing better? And in some cases that may be true. Um in Tanzania, in Botswana, in Zambia, in Zimbabwe, like what are all these things doing? And so that would be the classic example in the African context where typically when hunting is pulled out in area, and we did an infographic out of Ethiopia in the tropical forest there, in which there was a um, a satellite imagery analysis uh, by imagery from a, a satellite called Landsat, and they compared uh, various different land use types, whether it was hunting, non-hunting, uh, state forest, or hunting blocks that had been now unoccupied, and they showed that hunting kept the tropical forest intact or actually increased forest cover. The unhunted concessions actually dropped 13 to 14% in, in forest cover. So there's a proof there. There's a scientific proof. Yeah. And so in Spain, what's interesting in Spain is there has been a hunting ban put in place. And it's been put in place for all the national parks in Spain.
3: And that is where I'm correct. You used to be able to buy the tags on the annual auction and you could hunt the national parks. Am I right? So what you're probably thinking about is the natural parks. Okay.
2: So they have two different designations in Spain, natural and national. Natural is you can buy tags and you can hunt. Okay.
3: National but that's like parks, public land. No, not really. Not really.
2: Not really. The national park is is true public land. Okay. But there are two national parks uh Mon, Monfragu, I think, is one of them, and then Cabaneros is another, okay. in which the border was decide, that was decided by the government, essentially, think about it like this, and from a John X perspective, the Eastern Cape government said, I'm going to create a new national park, and half of John X's property, private property, was included in that national park.
3: Wow, and now, now we got to hunt.
2: And the national park is telling you, you can't do a lot of different things. Wow. You can't hunt. You can't feed your animals. You can't clear your fire lines. Mm. You can't do any of that because you're under the purview of the national park now. And so this place, Caboneros National Park, has been under a hunting ban for two years now. And that's what we went to visit. We went to visit to see if, what the state of affairs was like. So we wanted to look at it ecologically. And we wanted to look at it economically or socioeconomically, essentially. And so we went on this private estate, phenomenal place. Um, Cody will laugh at this. It did not fit my lifestyle. The Spanish lifestyle does not fit a Robbie Kroger lifestyle. What? that the earliest... too late at
3: night, never wake up in the morning. Oh my
2: gosh, dude. <laughs> dude.
3: That's like, I, I drove me nuts. I lived there for six months.
2: Dude, it was like the earliest we had dinner was 9.30 in the, <sighs> at night. Not for me. Sometimes ten thirty at night is when we started dinner. I was like i'm a, I'm been asleep for an hour and a half already, <laughs> nice, you know. Um, but here was the thing, and and we 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 filmed for five days straight. We were nonstop as we typically do. And um, one, I'll tell you what ecologically it was. Cody, you've been in whitetail places here in the states where you can see you drive through someone's property. And if they've got too many white-tailed deer, what's the first thing you see?
1: Uh I
3: don't
2: browse know. line. Browse yeah. line or what?
0: Yeah.
2: A browse line. Dude, the the browse lines there on these oak species was like unbelievable. And then they also had enclosures. They had exclusion enclosures on this property where they had excluded animals.
3: Like this. And it was
2: Yeah, you had one and a half foot grass inside the enclosure, and it was it was it was brown, just like your your grass is right now, because it's a you know
3: yeah, end of August. It
2: was it was it was the end of summer there, yeah. so it's you know dry period. But on the outside of the fence, it was dirt. Yo 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 yo. And so there's this huge comp- like there's and there's I'll tell you what if I saw I probably saw in five days almost two thousand red deer. No jokes. I also saw probably 2,000, maybe more, wild boar on this property. There were so many animals on this property, it was ridiculous. Uh, and then we went and visited the towns around, like, you know, that are little 750 people, 2,000 people towns. And just engage the individuals and I don't speak Spanish. They don't speak English. And so we had a translator, but you could see the passion from these guys. We interviewed a catering company guy who caters all of these hunting events. Hasn't had a single hunting event in two years, a leatherman who builds leather products, who sells at these hunting events, um, a construction guy, a veterinarian, um, a guy that is – here Here are the cool ones, Cody, that I think you'd enjoy. We have interviewed two people who are non-hunters, do not hunt, but they provide mules and horses to the hunting estates to get the animals out of the bush and ask them, like, what do you think about it, about this hunting ban? Um, we also interviewed a bartender in one of the towns who was completely anti-hunting, which was cool, which was cool too.
1: When will we, when will the uh, public be able to see it? I know it'll be a while, but when is there a release? Yeah,
2: well, we're gonna we'll probably do a teaser by the end of the year, and ideally, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna build the build the the film. It's gonna be subtitled in Spanish and English. That's cool because the Spanish interviews were obviously in Spanish and require a English subtitle and then my voiceovers and my interviews were obviously in English that need to be subtitled into Spanish so we're gonna blend those two things together um, and here's the here's what I hope and I, I laid the the seed out there for Rafa who is our guy on the ground there I'd love to come back to Madrid in April and do a premiere of the film in Madrid like let's just invite a hundred people 200 people let's invite journalists and let's you know, Hire out a movie theater I'll in tell Madrid. you
3: what, I've got good connections for you there, Robbie. So hit on me for that. I've got uh, some serious pull in Spain. Let's speak to you about that, my man.
2: I'll do it, man. But that's uh, it was just a great start to that proof documentary. We want to do one in Zimbabwe of a, re- a rewilded area. We want to do one in Zambia of some islands that are in Kariba that are part of the national park system and some that are private. And the national park ones, obviously, you cannot hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we've just submitted our filming permit for Botswana uh, to to do some uh, perceptions of marginal land filming in Botswana. So, and just the beginning of this film series, but exciting stuff. Yeah,
3: and, and Robbie, one that I'd love you to take on. I was going to shout to Cody about it, but I'm glad we're chatting about it now. Have you seen Ron Thompson's film on Kruger?
2: Yeah, I well, I, I watched. I'll be honest. Yeah, and Ron, I apologize if you listen to this podcast, but. I watched the first six minutes and I couldn't watch anymore. Um, it's an hour long of it's him driving through Kruger. Um, but the point is made, right? It's, mm. the, the thing is what we have to remember, Colin, and here's the thing that I really want to emphasize with this proof videos and in my questioning with every individual I did this.
1: Mm.
2: I don't want to be accused and Ron will get this accusation i don't want to be accused because i'm a i'm pro hunting i'm a hunting advocacy organization that i'm i'm purposely showing that hunting is good yeah i got it i want to be objective i want to sit in the middle and i want to see well is this are we are are you seeing a decrease in business because of covid or because of the hunting ban Yeah,
3: but I, i do think that uh that, 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 that the Kruger scenario, I don't think anybody would be interested in wanting to push the hunting agenda. I think it's just we've got to save Kruger for what Kruger is. I think mm-hmm. that is uh, we've got to get culling. And whatever was agreed with WWF and everybody else around the table 20 years ago, it's not the same discussion anymore. And we can't just keep digging our heads in the sand like
1: ostriches. It, it, it It's uh, from a person that really doesn't even know what the hell he's talking about most of the time with this stuff. It blows my mind when folks won't just look at data, just look at actual facts on things like the Kruger discussion or things like the, the places in Spain. Um, the people that ignore the fact that with 8 billion human beings on Earth, we have to do things to manage animal populations or just just very very naive from there you can expand it on to what that management is and that to me gets more subjective hunting is not the end-all be-all it is it's an option in the in the toolbox um usually the best economical one but just just an option in the toolbox but folks that think that that nothing can be done and everything will be fine are uh you know just it's insanely naive
2: Carl, let me ask this on a smaller scale, just so that we're all talking the same language. On a smaller scale, what would happen or what would you need to do on your 30,000 acres with your buffalo population if you didn't hunt?
3: I would have to sell them at a meat value which would not be able to sustain my land. So there would always be an exit to feed the people. I'm not going to argue that. Right. i always have an opportunity to sustain the wildlife, but would I buy more land? Would I go into the 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 mood I'm entering at the moment, where I'm 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 starting to look around for more land? Um, I want to increase. I want
1: to grow more wildlife. Um. No, I wouldn't. Would you employ anywhere near this? No, no. I mean, your your staff would just. No, you couldn't drop compare. By 80%.
3: You couldn't compare the alternative. The alternative to our land use here is goats and cattle and Mm. a few sheep up top. uh, And it would be a scorched earth policy because there was no way I could send my kids to the school I want to send them to to give them a chance in this world. And uh, apart from that, I don't think I would stick in it very long. I think I'd let the land go. Uh, That is just Mm -hmm. a fact. That's where I'm at. So, it doesn't only have to be my buffalo. I take something as simple as my nyala, uh, the value I see in those animals. Um, yeah, obviously the big-ticket animals, it seems that those are the ones that are spoken about a lot. They're actually not that good sustainability-wise uh, if you look at the numbers in time in and investments. Uh, so, so it's quite complicated. You actually need to be you, – you, you need to look at all the species, and all of them come together. In an ecosystem, but also in the sustainability, because uh, what you offer and what you can offer as a combination is more important than a single species. I think that's very important to realise in, in what we do. And and it's not it, it's it's in this country alone, especially even if we can discuss this white draft paper, that's that's reared its head now, yeah. yeah. Obviously um, to everybody's amazement and the world looked on and, and, and many people warned us and told us that uh, uh, our, our, our uh, Section 25 of our Constitution, where they wanted to expropriate our land without any compensation, it obviously went to the vote for the second time uh, December 26th of 2021 and uh, it was thrown out of Parliament. So we we we're in a very... Uh, we're in a very happy scenario where this is out of the window, it's done. And uh, they they, won't, they cannot take our land. They cannot exploit our land as things stand right now. Um, but now they're throwing this white draft paper, what they call the white draft policy at us. And mm-hmm. and it's basically, they're trying to to nationalize wildlife and wild areas that are for wildlife, saying it's heritage of the country and belongs to the people. And uh, we're saying, okay if this is the fight we're going to fight, imagine, Robbie, just give yourself some thought. They didn't win Section 25 to take our land. Now they're attacking the wildlife, saying, well, this is a way to get to your land. Well, what happens tomorrow if I have to choose? So if I get rid of the wildlife and I put cattle on here, do I hold onto my land and my asset for the future of my family? I can tell you right now, if that is the choice I have to make, four and a half thousand in a game will go. There's mm-hmm. no, there's no option yet, because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, what people don't understand, it is okay for every person in the world to go to work and expect a profit or a return on their efforts, and to be able to sustain their life and livelihoods. Just because it's wildlife, there seems to be an emotional rhetoric that makes you that people seem to think you should be guilty. You should, you should have this. Uh, regret in your efforts, in what you do. In fact, you should be hailed as the most wonderful investment we're not asking anybody to invest with us. We're just asking for support. Come and trade with us. That's all we're asking. And, and ultimately, if the choice came to that, I'll go back to goat farming. I'll put up the fences, scorch earth policy, get rid of the wildlife, and we move on. Because at the end of the day, if I can't feed my children, the animal's are not going to feed themselves. That's how it works in this world.
2: Yeah. It's funny, in that white paper, the, the vision that they have in the white paper says this. A prosperous nation living in harmony with nature, where biodiversity is conserved for present and future generations, and secures equitable livelihoods and improved
3: human well-being. What if that vision is not happening? <laughs> Which, kind of hard to believe in a country such a, as ours. Another ideology from the first world Trying to be peddled in a third world where the realities are just different.
0: Hmm. Hmm. No, I. You know, it's it's.
2: You know, hopefully this doesn't go very far. I, I don't. Um,
3: so it's losing steam rapidly. Uh, I went to one of the public meetings, and I will tell you that one of the greatest things that came out of there is the amount of uh, 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 black and coloured. Farmers who I met mm-hmm. at one at the meeting I went to, uh, and they were so upset. They were so irate at the thought of this that their land could be could be affected in this manner and their choice of wildlife. I met a man who farmed goats, but then uh, was running uh, some wildlife and had a sustainable offtake with an outfitter supporting him close to East London and. Uh, how happy he was that wildlife now was exceeding his turnover on stock and his idea and his vision was to get rid of the stock and grow his wildlife. So that most certainly gave me hope because there was a man from a previously disadvantaged background standing uh, side by side with me for the same common goal, you know, that we we, we can't afford this thing to go ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, Yeah, I think to Cody's point earlier when he said, like, what would your staff
2: compliment look like? if you weren't hunting anymore. It's the same thing in Spain. And, and literally, it's happening in Spain in this place. Two years that they've had a hunting ban in place, their staff total has gone from, I think, seven individuals to
3: three individuals. Yeah.
2: Or what eight if, individuals what, what, to four. Sorry, eight to four.
3: What, how
1: many people do you employ? Over here, at the moment, I run 28. And, and so 28, and 28 people with a job. And I, I can tell you where we're at. I have yet to see. How much else? I have yet to see within, uh, legitimately four thirty 30 miles. Yeah. There's not another job. There's nothing. There's not another job within 30 miles. Um, and there's no way that if you ran a sheep ranch that you, I mean, I'd, honestly, you probably, if it went to that point, am I wrong that you probably just pull it off with your family? I, mean, I could maybe, pull it off with three guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I don't. I don't understand that the animals are flourishing. It's creating jobs. Um, so let's change it. Kind of seems like what that white paper says to me.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's something we definitely need to to look into. There's something else happening in South Australia right now when it comes to bow hunting. There's a, a minister on the ground over there that is pushing a anti bow hunting sentiment. Um, I cannot find anything about it. Like. There's an organization that's pushing it that I keep getting referred to called CASA, the conservation – I'm looking it up right now. Conservation –
1: They don't want to stop hunting? They just want to stop bow hunting?
2: Yeah. It's one of the greenies, one of the green environmental ministers that has – let me try and find it.
1: You know, Um, the thing that continuously jumps out in my mind – is think of all the actual good things these people could be doing with their time. Like, like the things they could be accomplishing that made the world a better place, as opposed to inventing an organization to fight bow hunting in Southern Australia. But it's all about money, Cody. At it's the end a, of the day, it's, it's like you can
3: create so much passion. Out of emotion that people are willing to dig in their pockets.
1: So, what do you do? It's about money, and it's also about creating kind of uh, imaginary self worth. It's about it's about feeling good about yourself. Um, you know, it's just like the lie in the in the UK about the ban on trophy hunting. If you went to those folks and said, okay. We won't bring any more trophies back if you promise to never do anything else to keep the hunting rights away. That's, that's not They're, they're, they're not going to do that because it's not mm-hmm. their intention. They're just wanting to feel good about a win um, in their mind and look do zero to explore the consequences of their actions. Just like what you're talking about in Spain, Robbie.
2: Yeah. So if anybody knows, uh, anyone in the Conservation Hunting Alliance of South, of South Australia, CASA, is their acronym, I don't see anything on their Facebook page pushing this, peddling this. Uh, the last post that they have was about a food and wine, <laughs> a wine and wild food dinner. So I don't think, like if it was a, a, truly a massive issue, like it should be all over their Facebook page and it's not. But I keep getting freaking tagged in it through DMs on, on Instagram. So if anybody's out there, has a contact with CASA, Conservation Hunting Alliance in South Australia, please reach out to us. Um, to your point, Cody, about the the UK's um, still on the books, it's a private member bill now though, but it's still fricking lingering, which is this idea of the banning of trophy hunting coming out of, coming out of the UK. Well, all of a sudden, there has been an election.
3: Imagine that, the timing.
2: <laughs> Did you see uh, who got put in, the new Boris Johnson? Who, who is it?
3: We've been hunting. We it's don't even
2: know. Liz, Liz something. Uh, Liz Truss. Huh. Liz Truss is the prime minister of the UK. Brand new uh, prime minister. And um, the new uh, minister of DEFRA. In the UK is a guy called Janil wardener Okay. And uh, he just retweeted um, a tweet from the Conservative Animal Welfare Organization that the Conservatives will ban trophy hunting imports. It's despicable to kill elephants, rhinos, lions, and endangered species, and shameful to display their body parts as trophies. And he responded to that. I've been campaigning for this and more since I was first elected and founded the APPG on endangered species. I don't know what that stands for. These to have secured pledges in the Conservatives' manifesto ahead of. Um, oh no, this is not. That was a. That was. Excuse me. I am I, again. To be honest, this is a tweet back in 2019 uh, that I'm reading right now. But this guy Janil Jaya Wardner is now the next Secretary of DAFRA,
3: so he's being put in place. So imagine him retweeting that. That. Uh somebody didn't well that
2: he retweeted that in 2019 so again that, that's not gonna completely unfair to mind. me yeah his uh, we clearly know where he stands on. you know maybe he's changed um where he stands but i doubt it so what's on the plan to, this afternoon boys you got it's it's early early morning for me you guys have um did you have lunch on the mountain or are you gonna have lunch at, at the base camp
3: we've had a wonderful lunch at base camp then cody ate two carrot cakes cupcakes for third
2: no doubt i'm sure he'll have a third after we get off this no uh, we can have have a cup of coffee
3: then we're gonna go bird hunting but we're gonna we're gonna go hunt the birds we love the most no we're lying we're gonna go and hunt ostriches um we need two ostriches this afternoon hopefully we can pull this off um we're going comanche style i'm told uh so this will be very is
2: avery going to to make sure that you kill two no no avery
3: is uh, on
1: a helicopter tour down the Wild Coast. We will see her later. She's we'll... not flying the helicopter, I hope, because she did just inf- – she sent me a text that said, I need to warn you we're day drinking and coming in hot. That was the text I just got from her. <laughs> really, there's a uh, – PA- That's just – look,
2: that's the that's, that's only, only way I know Avery
1: is that hey my my wife enjoys having a good time there is a ph here named greg that uh, oh boy. that yeah you know, that drew the uh short straw to take the ladies on their excursions when they weren't hunting they have both hunted um my wife her, her first time hunting ever in the world her first successful hunt ever in the world was a she is brilliant black wildebeest that Two hundred and sixty-eight yards that dropped like a rock with that Carl put her on. Um, but they have done excursions every other day, and Greg Greg may quit and and leave South Africa. after I I,
2: I, I can uh, let me throw a prediction out there. Greg's going to come back to call after this weekend, after this week with you guys, and he's going to say I want to do more of that because the tip that he's going to get from Avery and Kay is going to be quite good. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm not sure that there's enough money in the world to make the hassle he's had <laughs> worth nearly. <viewing with. laughs> uh, so you're going um, ostrich
2: it, hunting. What other bird hunting do you have, Carl? Do you have any other bird hunting?
3: We've got beautiful grey wing partridge over English pointer. Um, that, unfortunately, the season's over. Uh, we also have guineas. We've got. Um, number of duck species, geese species, uh, we got rock pigeons and doves, but um, a lot of that earlier in the year, right now, the season's closed for the majority except the, the, um, the doves and the Egyptian goose, but for the rest, we closed right now. So we're going to be hunting the smartest bird in the world that can't fly. That's what we're going to hunt. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So we're going to give it well, and enjoy a beautiful sunset. And Absolutely. Think about you. Wish you a year, my mate.
2: Yeah, next year we'll get there next year. Okay, Carl? hundred uh, percent.
3: Well, I'm still waiting for you and your boys. I told you, so I'm waiting. We're
2: gonna make it happen. we to make it happen. Waiting, waiting, my mate. Um. Well, look, uh, Cody. Don't don't try m- not to miss too many more animals. Uh, <laughs> but if we do, if you do, we understand,
1: right? If you do, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of missing animals. Luckily, it was a clean miss. And then even more, luckily, even more lucky or more fortunate, we went back and got the exact same hog this morning. But a redemption. Yeah. And he didn't so go So to far. help
2: call out, what else is, is on the cards, Cody, to help call out to? <laughs> uh,
1: I, I, really, there isn't. I, I just don't have a plan. I don't. Uh, I, I truly don't. I mean, the, the Inyala wasn't on the plan, but it popped up. And I, I will tell you this. I'll, I can admit I, I think these guys will give me credit that I admit what I'm not good at, and I can't judge African game for shit. He identified mm-hmm. five warthog
3: sizes bulls this morning. I
1: did not. <laughs> That's not true. That's a lie. I wow. Said, well I said, done, hey, Cody. here's Man. another hog that you need to look at. <laughs> and Ed, the other PH, that would he would eventually just stop replying to me. <laughs> he would look at the one that I that I talked him onto, and then he would just go back to another one and not even. <laughs> say again cody that's a sow he just wouldn't um but I, when i looked at that in Yala, i had seen enough of them that i thought huh that looks like a really good one to me." i i think they're i think they're maybe the prettiest animal that i've seen here um and so i don't uh, I, I don't have i don't have a list i just don't i uh well
2: here's here's the thing called that i was trying to to help you out with you so daryl has put his buff on the ground right
1: Cody's there,
3: but not quite there. But we're planning a big trip, dude, and we target fishing. So, so we got we got plans, man. We got plans. Target oh, fishing. Where's the big trip big... going?
2: Where's the buffalo hunting going to happen?
3: We, we might be going to Tanzania, doing something like that. We just we're visiting right now. Jeez. The only way this is happening is if we're catching target fish as well. Ed and myself have put on our foot. <laughs> tiger,
1: tiger fishing is, fishing is amazing.
2: Head so, 100%. Yeah. It's amazing fishing. Well, carl Cody, I know that you guys are uh, got an afternoon of hunting out in front of you. Um thank you, man. Again, carl I can't thank you enough, man. Uh, you guys again, you've been a huge supporter of what we do and uh and I'm I'm not saying it just because we're on a podcast right now. You know that uh, I'm a big fan of yours, Cody's a big fan of yours, our entire team loves what you guys do and what you stand for. Um we're just grateful for the friendship and grateful for the support.
3: No, it's a pleasure, Robbie, and I think from all of us, especially the Outfitters in Africa, you've given us a serious platform. You've given us a voice. You've stood up for a lot of what we've spoken about around the dinner tables, the pubs, uh, the camps, and and it helps us a bunch what you guys do, and 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 we continue to support you, and we really, really appreciate your guys' efforts. It is making a difference on the ground. There is more awareness and there is more funding available to fight the good fight. And ultimately, all of us here uh, need to stand together because the, uh, the opposition, may it be, hun- be semi anti hunting or completely anti hunting, may it be whatever land use there is, as long as there's sustainable use, we need to stand up for that. Um, we need to figure it out. It all works together. And as I always do, I challenge my fellow outfitters to join your conservation club, to do the monthly donations, to support your cause. And um, I hope they do that.
2: Well, I appreciate it. Cody, safe safe hunting and safe travels home, my man.
1: Yeah, that's the plan. We're going to have a good time and then uh, not want to leave when we do.
2: Well, start already as, you, as you, you guys have started doing, deciding what your next Africa trip is before you've actually left.
1: Uh, yeah, we did that on day two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Okay, right, man. See you, Robbie. Cheers, ciao, ciao. Man. See you. Well,
2: that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.